All right, welcome everybody to our Teen Sunday School here. Not the last day of May, but close. Second to last day, Memorial Day weekend. So we're gonna start out with a word of prayer and then we will get right into where we've been uh, working in our series. Dear Lord, we thank you very much for the blessings we have, for the goodness that you have towards us and that your thoughts are ever towards us. And we pray that our thoughts would be towards you. On this day, we thank you. We ask for your blessing, continued blessing. We ask that we would do what's right in our lives. And we just pray that you'd bless all of these people here and those who are watching and listening. Just protect them all, we pray in your name. Amen. All right, so where have we been in our series? James. James. Okay. The book of James. And James, of course, was Jesus' half-brother. Right? Half-brother. The son of Mary and Joseph. Um... And so we've learned a whole bunch of different things that he has a lot of wisdom. He has quite a bit that he's learned from being around Christ. All right. So <clears throat> I have been responsible just as of late, probably the last six months or so, for directly for a whole bunch of dorm buildings. Okay. But for many years, I had some level of responsibility where I got call-ins for different dorm buildings, even at the last place I worked. And when I was a supervisor on call, the most common call I ever got was that the dorms were full of smoke because somebody burned bacon, okay? Two in the morning, people are cooking bacon in the dorms, apparently, because, and they don't know how to do it, I guess, or they forget that it's in there, or they just have no, I, no clue. I, I don't know what happened, but every time they fill the dorms with smoke, so it is not uncommon to have cooking incidents because people apparently do not know how to use a stove and or a microwave uh, to cook what they eat. So they make quite a mess of things. So the other day, it was on a weekend, there was a, an incident, we'll call it, <laughs> with smoke. And the security guard came and said, we're trying to figure out what really happened here. And so we watched as one kid came up to the front of the stove and he put his pan on there. And the video skipped once or twice, so we weren't exactly sure what happened, but it appeared as though he never put any water in the pan. Okay? And maybe he turned on the stove, maybe he didn't. But then we find out there's another pan, but no one's been anywhere near that pan on the back of the stove, because this isn't a shared space where many students live. <clears throat> and so we watch the few minutes as a security camera goes on, and the camera just happens to be right on the stove because it's a pretty common place where things happen, okay? Smoky things, <laughs> usually. So we're watching and we're watching, and security guard said, now just watch, when it comes to this point, we're gonna start to see smoke. And all of a sudden, smoke comes out like there's a there's a hood like a fan hood over top of these these two pots and one clearly has nothing in it there's no steam at all coming out of the second one and all of a sudden just smoke comes everywhere what is going on with it and we're watching and the security card takes it back and forth a few times like what what where does this come from all of a sudden so 
Then, of course, the alarm goes off in the building, and everybody's supposed to run out. One guy walks up, and he's stretching his legs while the thing, like, what are you doing? Get out of the building. You don't smell smoke, right? He's stretching. The other guy goes and grabs a stool. To, <laughs> takes it outside with him, because apparently he can't stand while he's, while he's out there waiting for the fire alarm to go. Another guy comes out of his room in a few more minutes and goes to the pot, which he apparently was responsible for, but wasn't on. Picked it up, looked at it. Nope, still not hot. Put it <laughs> and left, okay? And then finally the other guy takes the pot and takes it off. Now when the security guard went down there, uh, that security guard looked, there was nothing in the pot, but also there was nothing burnt, which was like this strange mystery. So that security guard went through and in a couple of minutes waved things around, they set up some fans and all the smoke was gone. So we sat and watched that camera thing, like where did that come from? And finally we figured out that it was not the stovetop, it was the microwave next to it. Randomly, and no one cooked a thing in it, it just started on fire, inside. Smoked out the back, appeared like it came over the, uh, the stovetop, and there was enough smoke that it didn't really actually, I mean it set everything off in there, but it couldn't suck it all up out of the fan over top of the stovetop. So one little thing with smoke creates quite a stir for a short time. But smoke, when you go back in, a few minutes later, the smoke clears away and there's really nothing left, all right? It's all gone, it's all gone. Almost all the evidence that there was anything that really happened is all gone. And that's where you have to see, where you begin to look at this passage today He's talking about a smoke or a vapor, all right, that comes up and it's there and it's like, oh, that's so much, makes you choke. And then all of a sudden, in a couple minutes, it's just gone. And there's no evidence that it was ever there or barely any evidence that it was ever there. At one point, it seemed like it was everything and then it disappeared, okay? So we're going to read uh, James chapter 4. We're going to read a few verses with that. We're going to start at verse number 11, and we're going to read all the way through verse 14. And I want you to pay attention uh, through the whole thing, but verse 14 is kind of set the stage for what he was talking about. All right? He wants you to look at these things in the light of the smoke that disappeared, the vapor that disappeared. Verse number 11, let's start out with in James chapter 4. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judges his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy, who art thou last judgest another. Go to now, ye that say, Today, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get that you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. 
okay? So you're beginning and ending with this idea. You, you put this in your mind. Not bad. You put this in your mind that you are like smoke, like a vapor. It comes and it goes. It seems like it really matters a lot because it's all around you and you choke and then all of a sudden, poof, it's gone. And there really was never, I guess I smell a little bit. You know, there's evidence, I guess that it was there. And you wait a little bit more and then it's all gone. Our lives are like that, okay? There are people, <clears throat> you can go and look down in the graveyard, down there, and walk through the graveyard and you will not know the majority of those people and what they were like. Their mark on this world, if they're historically uh, did something great, you might see a little bit, but I bet you don't know what they thought or what they felt. You will come, you will live, you will die, and our lives pass by quickly and quickly are forgotten by even the next generation and the next generation because people are living their own lives and it's often we forget you know we grow up maybe with our grandparents okay and then our grandparents pass away and then you only have memories and then your children don't necessarily have those memories maybe they live long enough to have a little bit of memories but it passes away and those people that were so dear to us in our life all of a sudden it's gone like a vapor, okay? It all passes away quickly. So, he says, think of that. Think of how quickly our lives come and our lives go. It's not really significant, he said. When you approach life, think of it this way, all right? Keep your perspective. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. In fact, you don't even know what will happen today. You have no guarantee. You don't know. You walk out of this place. Uh, what comes next in your life? Some major amazing thing, some tragic event, or just plain old the way you've been living for a long time. No change. You don't know what that is. So we start in verse 14. Well, we read 11 through 14. But we start in verse 14 to say, you don't know what will be on the morrow. Okay, that's old English for tomorrow. You don't know what comes. For what is your life? It's just like a vapor. Smoke and it goes away. And if you back up a verse, verse 13 says, Go now, you that say today or tomorrow we're going to go to such a city and we're going to stay there a year and buy and sell and, and we're going to make some money. That is an interesting verse that says simply this. You can make a plan and it could be a great plan and it might not go like you planned it. You could say, I'm going to grow up. This stage, I'm going to, I'm going to get, uh, be done with high school. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to become this. Most people that put a plan together in their life and say, I'm going to go and become this, do not end up where they started. They couldn't tell you where they're going to be in five years or 10 years or 20 years. All right. Most people that go to college for something don't end up doing what they do in college. That's okay. It's part of your journey, part of your life. 
doesn't mean you don't make a plan. It just means that as that plan changes, you realize, I'm not in control of all this. My life comes and it goes, and I have to be aware that there's something bigger happening. All right? I make a plan, but God makes it happen, or God says, no, he's not going to go down that plan. All right? You look at those types of things that happen, all right, and you say, one day, you kind of stumble across something. You have to be aware, all right? Let's go, let's go back even another couple of verses here and say this, first of all. Verse 11 says, don't speak evil of your brother, okay? Because ultimately, if you are judgmental about people, who are you to be judgmental? How much do you know? Are you the expert, the authority? One day, I was out mowing at our property. And I looked on the... I had mowed by this many times. And I was backing the lawnmower up on my tractor. Which is like, they'll stop, okay? I'm running into something. And I whacked the edge of this with a lawnmower. Here was this. You'd think that would stand right out, wouldn't you? Right? But it was sitting there down in the mud and had sat there from whenever uh, the deer had dropped his antler, okay, that year, and the mice got to a little bit of one end of it, okay, and then my lawnmower marks on a couple of spots there. I happened across this. If I picked this up, and said to you, I am a great deer hunter. I know all about where the deer go. I know all about where they drop their antlers. Do you know? I must know. In fact, I'm going to write a book about it. All about antlers. All about deer, because I'm an expert on deer. I found this, right? Does that make me an expert on that? I found an antler by accident, okay? So no, right? it does not make me an expert on any sort of deer. I found an antler by accident, okay? Wasn't even looking for an antler, frankly, and I found it. And so along I came and said, wow, that's really amazing. And now I'm an expert because I found an antler about, and, and now I know all about the patterns of deer. Baloney. I've gone back there looking for antlers many other times and have never found one when I was looking for one. But I have found other ones by mistake. Okay? <laughs> Truthfully, I got off the tractor one time, again, on the tractor. I was taking my uncle and my father on a little ride around the back thing. I got off to move a... <laughs> got off... Also, Eli was on there. I got off and to move a stick. And there, laying in the water in a puddle, was another antler. Wasn't looking for it, but I found one there. Huh. Strange. So that's the whole thing about this. What's interesting about that is that when you see something like that and then you claim you're an expert, you come up and say, no, you're not. You're a dummy for saying you're an expert. You found an antler by accident. That's the very same thing about when we're judgmental. I want you to follow me on this. We go along in the Bible and say, you know what? 
I learned that uh, God says our life is like a vapor. And so I go along and tell you all how you're wrong and how you're living your life. Because you shouldn't do this, or you shouldn't plan this, or you shouldn't create this, or you shouldn't do that. You should live like me. Because I'm an expert. Right? No. Okay? <laughs> no. Again, no. Just because I found by accident, ran across some verse that really speaks to me, doesn't make me an expert on it. Doesn't give me the right to judge you in how you live. Doesn't mean that the Bible's not true. There is an absolute standard that God puts in here. God says, here's how you should live. But just because I picked up an antler one day, doesn't make me an expert on a deer. Just because I read a verse one day and said, that's really applicable to me, doesn't make me an expert on your life. It means that God happened to show me one that was impressive to me and said, you should pay attention to this, to me. And then I like to transfer all my thoughts onto you because you should do this now, right? That's what he's saying. Be careful not to be judgmental. Just because you know something or God has taught you something in this life, it does not make you an expert in everybody's life. All right? It does not make you an expert. God's word stands with or without me and with or without anybody. God's word is true and real. And so we should spend our time looking to find out what we can get there. It doesn't mean I should never look for a deer horn out there because I might find one. Okay? And when I find it, it's like, wow, that's cool. Same thing, I should spend time seeking in God's word to find truth. Because I might really find something applicable to me, exciting to me, cool. That makes something, but then I don't go out and say, well, now that I know this, I can tell everybody else that's wrong. That's not the way that we approach God's word. So be careful because who are we anyways? We come in our lives and we're here for a short time and we're poof, we're gone. Like a vapor. Poof, we're gone. Our lives are here. Who am I to judge you? Who am I? Now, I have a job to do, to teach out of the word, to try to say, look, this is what it says to try to help illustrate what it means, but not to come and say, oh, you've got all this wrong in your life. Now, if somebody comes and asks for advice, I guess that's different. But most of the time, be aware, people are not asking for your advice. Especially if you've got a judgmental spirit. Be aware not to say, you're wrong, and you're wrong, and you're wrong, and you're wrong, and you're wrong. What that really is, is pride. It comes down to pride. That would be, look at the antler I found. Isn't it the greatest? I've got the best. And I wrote a book about it. People would be like, who wants to read that book? Right? <laughs> you found one thing. And you're, who cares? People do that spiritually quite a bit. Look what I found out. I wrote a book about it. Okay? Be aware of being judgmental. Okay? Just do the law. It says be a doer. Don't be a judge on things. All right, so we found out we can't make plans. I mean, we can make plans, but we can't make our plans come true only if God says it will happen. 
Okay? We are living here a short time, so we should not be judgmental of other people. We need to just focus on what we need to get done in our lives. Okay? And hopefully God shows us those little nuggets of truth along the way. Now, verse number 15. Verse number 15 as we pick up. Go ahead and read 15, please. Okay, here's the appropriate response if God wants us to. We will. That's something very simple. If God wants me to do this, we will. Learn to step aside and allow God to run our lives. That's the biggest and the best thing we can possibly do is to let go of those things that hold us, whether it be anger or pride or anxiety or fear, and just say, if God wants this to happen, this is not a mistake, what's going on in my life. Now, he wants me to obey, okay? But this is not a mistake, and he's not going to let me crash and burn if I'm trying to do the right thing. Even if I misstep and don't quite get it all right, God says, though I stumble, okay, this is really, uh, it says that I think this is a, a psalm. It says, though I stumble, I will not fall headlong. In other words, I trip on something. I don't crash and, and bust my head open and die. God doesn't let us do that. God says, I'm, I'm going to let you trip a little here and there because you got to learn, but I'm going to protect you. Okay. You have to trust in God more than you trust in yourself. You have to learn to do that. That's the, the piece of life that you need. That's, that's the best wisdom in life, is to say, you know what, I know that I'm capable of messing up, but God, I can trust Him implicitly. There is nothing He cannot control for me. If I give it over to Him, if I let him do it, he will do it much better than I can do it. I can't control my situation. I cannot control my circumstances. I cannot stop all the things that could possibly go wrong in my life. But I can let God take it. And he said, cast all your cares upon him. Right? That's anxiety. That's thoughts. All those nasty black thoughts that run around in our heads saying, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? And I don't know about this. I can't control that. No, you can't. You can't control it. Let God take it and say, cast them on you. Throw them to him. God, I don't want these anymore. I want you to take them. Because he cares for you. And that's ultimately where anxiety can melt away is where we find the depth of real love and care. Or you say, he can take care of me because he, because he cares about me. Because he knows what's going on in my heart, in my life, and how I feel. How I feel anxious about things or, or angry about things or frustrated about things or whatever. I can throw that on God and he will take it. All right. Verse number 16. All right. Oh, man, he just keeps hitting them today, doesn't he? So 
be aware when you start saying, well, I got plans, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna get that done, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna make an amazing thing out of it. Be aware, that's if God wills, right? If God wants me to, I will. That's, that's where we take all of those statements in our life and we say, if God wants me to do this, I will. Don't say, look at how wonderful I am. I'm the smartest person alive. I can do this. I can do that. If God wants me to, I can do it. Take the edge off of it. All right? And verse number 17, which is a great verse, an excellent verse, uh, one of the ones that we should memorize. Go ahead, please. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Okay? If you come up against one of these fines, okay? In other words, you happen to stumble something across something in the Bible, and God really speaks deeply to you about something specific. And other people around you may not have that same twinge in their conscience. And God may not be pushing them on the same verse, okay, or even in the same direction as you. It says, pay attention to that. Be sensitive to that. Whatever God is doing to speak to you personally, whatever little nugget of truth he's pushing in your heart and your mind today, pay attention because if you don't listen to that, even if your buddy is doing that and your other friend over there is doing the same thing, God may be speaking directly to you. And if you are told not to do it or your conscience is bugging you about it, don't do it. Don't do it. Stop. Whatever it is. And it doesn't matter if the rest of the world doesn't find it wrong. If God is speaking to you, listen. Okay? If there is a good thing you should do, don't miss the opportunity. Okay? Because if you don't, if you know to do it, and the opportunity comes and you don't do it, it says that's sin for you. For me. All right. I've had a couple things. I'll close with this. I've had, a, I've had some opportunities in my life. And I don't always recommend this. And this is just me personally. All right. Uh, I am not telling you to pick up strangers. Okay. I am not. All right. But I happened to be in Montana. And I was crossing over the 4th of July Pass. Which is a very, very high mountain pass in my car, my beat up old car. And I did happen to have two open spots. There was somebody that appeared to be broken down near the top of the mountain pass, okay? And at that time, God had been speaking to my heart personally about helping people out. I stopped and helped a couple and brought them up over the mountain pass and probably took them, I don't know, 20 or 30 miles back into the next village, okay, where I was going. Didn't cost me any more gas. Took me a few minutes longer to stop and ask him what it was. Uh, again, I'm not telling you to pick people up on the side of the road, but in this particular case, it was something where God has spoken to me to say, are you really going to help these people or not? 
I have had other opportunities where they've passed by and it's been too late or something like that, but this one was very clear and I was sort of watching and God says, there it is, you're going to do it or not. Picked those people up and I took them over to the top of the hill. Now, I guess there was a danger with it. Probably was. Could have been somebody, a mass murderer and his wife, I guess. I don't know, just happened to be the car that was across the side of the road. Could have been, okay? And this is why I'm not saying that you should, and this was some time ago, but when God prompts you to do something, it is not sinful to not pick up strangers, okay? But for me, at that time when God was speaking to me, if I would have ignored God's speaking and what I was trying, what he was saying to me, then for me, I'd had an answer for that someday. Why didn't you stop? Didn't you know that that's what you're doing? Now, I have done it where I have driven by things and said, ah, I should have stopped. But it was too late. Sometimes I've felt guilty for those things. That's just something personally for me. Now, when I'm alone, I guess I'm a little more, you know, willing to do that. When I've got a car full of little kids or something like that, it's a little different. Okay, but I have done it a few times and God has sort of said, look at, for me, at times, listen. Are you listening to me? It may not be that he ever wants you to do that ever again, but when he calls you to do it, it's got a purpose. And I don't know what that purpose was that day on the 4th of July pass. I don't know. Other than maybe than just my obedience. Listen to what I have. Okay, so to him who, uh, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Something to think about, okay, keep that in our minds. We are here for a short time. Don't spend our time judging, spend our time obeying. Do our best with that. Let God take care of all of the worries that we have, all right? Do the things that we ought to do, what he calls us to do. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good day.